Good morning and uh, welcome to Elam's online service here. Happy Father's Day to all you dads and grandpas, great-grandpas out there. Uh, this morning we're going uh, to be changing our focus a little bit from our foundational triad on spiritual gifts to focus on a message uh, especially for Father's Day. And our text today is from Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father God, we pray for this, your word. I pray that you would bless it and help me to proclaim your message, uh, especially to fathers, but to all of us today. And I pray that you would be glorified in all that's said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I miss about living in the Midwest, in Minnesota, uh, are the violent storms. Now, I know that here in Washington, we get occasionally gusty winds and some big trees being taken out, but so far, I haven't seen a real storm. Not like the storms we had back in the Midwest. There's something so alluring about that power. And when I was young and a big storm was coming, I would go outside and I would wait for it. The rains would begin to fall and the winds would come rushing across the cornfields. And I would stand out in our yard trying to take the full brunt of that storm. Almost as if to say, give me your best shot, Mother Nature. You can't hurt me. Well, that tendency lingered on into my adult years, much to the chagrin of my wife. The year I was doing my internship at Hope Lutheran in North Minneapolis, I was working in the office one day and the tornado sirens went off. So I went outside and I walked across the parking lot to the parsonage where we were staying to check on Mary and the kids. The sky had turned green and there was an eerie stillness. But that stillness didn't last long because the winds really began to shake the trees around the church there. And then I saw the tornado. At first it looked just like a flock of birds about a mile away flying through the air. But then I realized those weren't birds, those were actually big chunks of houses that were flying around. <laughs> Fascinated, I just stood there in the parking lot gawking at it. And Mary was yelling at me from the door to get in there and get into the basement. And I was like, well, that's fine. It's a long way off. <clears throat> but then those chunks of houses started falling all around me. And you can bet your life I didn't just stand there yelling at Mother Nature that she couldn't kill me. I hate to, I tell that into the house and down in the basement. Someone's love for storms changes pretty quickly when they become life-threatening. The majority of the disciples here were, made, uh, were a seasoned fishermen. And they had no love for storms because they knew the danger they held, especially for someone that was caught far from shore. The reaction of these men's, men, as well as that of, the, of Jesus, can teach us lessons when the storms of life catch us unaware far from shore. There are many seasoned fathers, as well as new fathers here listening to this message, and some have experienced the storms of life. At the end of this message, I think you will be encouraged in your task as a father or grandfather. First of all, we see here that on the sea of life, storms will arise. One of the first lessons you learn as a fisherman is to watch the weather. At some point, the risk outweighs the reward of venturing out for a catch. 
And in the Amplified Version, verse 24 here says, And suddenly, behold, there arose a violent storm. The implication here is that it came out of nowhere. There was no previous indication that a storm was going to arrive that day, or else the disciples would surely have postponed their sailing expedition. Dads, in the sea of life, storms can hit us suddenly. We wake up in the morning, the sun is shining, life seems to be going great, but then behold, suddenly there arises a violent storm. This happened a couple of years ago to a good friend of mine. John Tennyson was my best friend from my prison days. He and I became a Christian within one week of one another. And I got out of prison first, and then he got out about four years later, and then he came to live with Mary and I for about eight months. Since then, he's had a wife, eight boys, and a baby on the way. He owns a mechanic shop, a Christmas tree farm, and a sawmill back in Minnesota. One day he was coming home from the shop for lunch, and he had a couple of texts on his phone, so he was sitting in his truck still and responding to those texts. But then when he got out of the truck, he forgot to put the truck in park. It just sat there for a moment as he was getting out. But then as he came around the front, one of his boys yelled at him. He was skating down on a pond on their property, and he was waving to them. And then he heard a crunch of gravel behind him as the truck moved forward and crushed his pelvis against the house there. Well, it fractured his pelvis, his right fibia, and it tore his ACL. Since then, he's had three pelvis surgeries and a repair to a torn ligament. He endured almost one year of rehab and still walks with a slight limp. He will eventually need hip replacement. A sudden violent storm had hit the Tennyson family. They didn't see it coming. In fact, if they would have known that morning that it was coming, they would have probably just stayed in bed, like the disciples would have done so in uh, about 2,000 years ago. These storms seem to come in three ways. Number one, sudden tragedy. This is the category that my friend John's storm came in. For you, it might be that medical test that comes back, seeing that there seems to be an indication of cancer or some terrible disease. Or it could be uh, the sudden death of a loved one that's unexpected or maybe even expected. Sometimes one of these kinds of storms will hit the entire world like we've seen over the last year with COVID. The second kind of sudden storm is financial crisis. This is the kind of storm that you can see many times brewing on the horizon. Things are getting tight around the house and there are rumors of layoffs. The anxiety inside of you begins to build as you start to cut the fat in your budget. Stress then builds as you find you are not able to afford those things that you once could, like going out to the occasional movie or to a restaurant. And soon after this, you find you cannot even afford the basics of life. And to compound the issue, you begin to get calls from bill collectors. Former friends try to avoid you because maybe they're afraid that their, your calamity is going to rub off on them. And this kind of storm can last for months, if not years, and can turn a person's hair gray more quickly than anything I can think of. And finally, there are relational turmoil storms. We are social beings, and when our relationships are out of whack, life can get pretty stormy. And this kind of storm, storm seems to go in cycles. Things will seem fine for a time, and then the next wave of the tempest will hit. 
after a particular length of time in a rocky relationship, many of us will have to make that dreadful decision to walk away from the relationship entirely, breaking our own hearts in the process. But that person is never far from our thoughts. Like the father looking down the road for the prodigal son, we find ourselves longing for reunion to end this storm. Second, we see here in our text that it may seem like Jesus is sleeping. And so the storm has hit the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And being such a small sea, it would seem very surprising that such a storm could cause much dismay. But according to Ray Vanderlaan, an expert in biblical Israel, he says, The sea's location makes it subject to sudden and violent storms as the winds come over the eastern mountains and drop suddenly onto the sea. Storms are especially likely when an east wind blows cool air over the warm water that covers the sea. The cold air being heavier drops as the warm air rises. This sudden change can produce surprisingly furious storms in a short time as it did in Jesus' day. In fact, the word that Matthew uses here to describe the storm is seismos. This is the Greek word where we get our word seismology or the study of earthquakes from. It felt like an earthquake to them. But notice the next words in our text. But he, Jesus, was asleep. Now, I've known some pretty good sleepers in my day, but David Hoff has to be the most amazing. He could fall asleep within seconds in almost any circumstance, and then he would stay asleep for a long time. But to sleep through a gale-force storm that was swamping the boat, that would be like falling asleep during major turbulence on an airplane. It just doesn't happen. But the reason that Jesus had the ability to do so was because of his complete trust in his Father and the absence of fear that he had. The disciples thought that it was divine neglect. In the parable passage in Mark, they cry out, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Dads, have you ever wondered in the midst of your own storm whether Jesus really cares for you? Does he maybe not care that you're completely swamped by the circumstances you're facing? Perhaps he's wanting you to die. Or maybe he doesn't like you and as much as he does his other children. He seems to answer their prayers, but in my cries for help, they seem to bounce off the ceiling. <clears throat> but the reason that Jesus did not jump into action at the first sign of trouble is revealed in his response to the disciples when they woke up. We see that faith overcomes fear. There are a number of things that I would expect Jesus to say when his followers wake him up and he finds that they're terrified of this storm. Maybe something like, why didn't you wake me sooner? Or, uh, step back, boys. Don't you know that I created the world and this little storm is nothing for me? But instead, it seems like he's annoyed with them. He says, why are you afraid, O you of little flock? There are many other times in the Gospels that we see this kind of response from Jesus. When he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and he found a demon-possessed boy whose father had brought him, uh, and then the disciples couldn't heal him, his response is, You unbelieving, perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? When Peter tried to walk on water but sank because of doubt, we see a phrase that's coming from him, O you of little faith, I would have expected like, good try or something like that. 
When they were discussing among themselves the lack of bread, he says, Oh, you of little faith, don't you remember how I just fed the 5,000? And so many times when we look at this particular story here in Matthew, the focus tends to be on the amazing way that Jesus calmed the storm. In fact, that's the main reaction of the disciples. What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? But I think that the real point of the story from Jesus' perspective is the lack of faith his followers displayed. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, why are you waking me up? Don't you realize that you have just, uh, if you have just a little bit of faith, you could calm the storm? And I wonder how often this is the case for us. We're crying out to Jesus, please save me. And his response is, I've given you my spirit. I've given you spiritual gifts. You have my very word, you deal with it. Rebuke the storm. Cast the demon out in my name. Heal the sick. Call forth my provision for your brothers and sisters. Now, I know that the prosperity gospel has many negative teachings in it, false teachings. But one thing that we can learn from it is the fact that there is something called the prayer of faith. Do I believe that God can do what his word says it can do? Am I expecting to walk in the power of God? Or am I anxiously looking around at the wind and waves or the swamped boat that I'm standing in? We are children of the King of Kings, but so many times we act like powerless weenies. Don't worry about me. I'll just take the crumbs that fell from the Lord's table. In conclusion this morning, Dad says, have you ever experienced the perfect storm in your life? A tragedy strikes, but that's not all. There's more. Suddenly there's financial situations in your life based on the tragedy, but that's not all. There's more. The tragedy and financial strain puts your relationships in jeopardy. For the Christian, all of these are benefits. And the greater the storm, the greater the lesson. Now, dads, one thing I don't want you to take from my sermon is, Pastor Scott said I should never cry out to Jesus in my distress. I'm not saying that. There are times that we need to just cry out to Jesus for his comfort and his mercy. But I want you to realize that the Christian walk is all about maturity. Just like our lives as humans, there is an expectation that we are going to grow and mature. How many times a day do you think that toddlers cry out for their mom? I'm sure that it's got to be hun hundreds. Mommy, come wipe my butt. Mommy, I spilled. Mommy, I can't button my shirt. And on and on, right? But by the time they're teenagers, we are hoping for a little more independence and self-reliance, aren't we? And as our adult children, it's almost becomes rare that you get a call to the point where you may wish you'd not train them in such an independent way so that they would call you more. And so as we mature, the Lord wants us to exercise faith that he has imparted to us. He has trained us. He has shown us the realm of the possible when we do things in his name. As creatures that have been made in his image and have dominion over the, the earth, let's start acting and speaking like ones who have authority. Reminds me of an elderly black woman whose home was broken into by some neighborhood thugs. She's, they said, show me where your jewelry is. And she responded, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And your mother's got to be ashamed of you. You're going to go to jail and waste all that potential. Go enroll in school and quit thugging. <laughs> well, the guys didn't even know what to do and shook their head and walked out. The devil is like that thug. 
Scripture tells us that we can rebuke him in the mighty name of Jesus and that if we resist him, he must flee. As one pastor said, we should wake up in the morning and the devil should say, uh-oh, he's up. Storms will come and go, my brothers, but have faith. We are children of the Creator and all that we see. And he has granted us authority to say to the mountain, move, and it will move. But you might say, well, I don't have that kind of faith. The father who had the demon-possessed son also realized his lack of faith. But rather than despairing, he said, Lord, increase my faith. Dads, your family is looking to you for leadership and guidance. And remember, Jesus is right there in the boat with you. You don't have to go it alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, your word. I pray for your blessing over all the dads here today. I pray that you would have your hand on them and that you would give them the strength and the faith that they need to face the storms in their life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.